What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Teutonic Takes. We took a little break last week, um, but unfortunately, we're back to the same old, same old quakes, right? A little hot start in the beginning and then a cold, cold three losses at home. Ivan, I'm here with you today. What's up, man? It was a Jimmy Conrad derby to forget, uh, but I'm doing all right. Uh, right now, uh, we're just uh, going things <laughs> things are going smoothly. It's a 7.30, uh, actually it's 7.50 now a.m. Uh, where I'm recording this. Uh, we uh, can do it right after the game because of scheduling issues and time zones, but now we're back on track, hopefully after this, and we're happy to get another podcast going, even if it is not in the best of circumstances. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it's like you said, it's 11.50 at night for me, so it's about to hit mm-hmm. midnight, <laughs> but uh we're we're getting this done, you know. It's nothing. Nothing's better than talking quakes with you, Ivan. So I'm glad I'm here, and thank you for your time. Um, yeah. But let's just kind of weigh into it, right? Right into it. Um, we're not so good anymore. I mean, uh, yeah. It's, Hello, yeah. darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the game. It looked like I was telling you beforehand that I mean, it just looks like they had a player that was ten million dollars, and that and it was evident. Alan Polito, every time he could put a stamp on the game, it it was evident, and he didn't you know, fire from the top of the box the first time and it scored um, with that goal with uh, that came off of Tommy Thompson. He tried it before the game or he not, not before the game, but in the first half and it didn't come off and it looks like he wanted to get that. He knew that there would be space at the top of the box and it kind of just went in and the quake should have made an adjustment. They should have saw that he was trying to hit, sh- to hit that from outside of the box. And that's what happened, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's just the story of the game. Uh, everything that the Quakes tried to do other than their one goal didn't work out. And Sporting Kansas City figured out what they needed to do. The goals were beautiful, and it was very tough for JT Marcinkowski to stop them, yeah. uh, at least the second and third ones. But it's the play that led up to the goals that worries me. Right. And it's okay to let in a banger every now and then and be mm. like, oh, well, there's nothing, not much you can do about that. Like, you defend it for most of the match, it happens. But when it starts to become a pattern, you have to start thinking, okay, close someone down, please. This is a man marking system. Man marking. Where is the man marking happening? And that is the weakness of it, where, like, if you mm. have teams with pace, like Sporting Kansas City, that eventually they're going to break in behind and they'll have their opportunities. But can't happen that often yeah and a lot of the you know fans were clamoring that maybe this man marking system doesn't work anymore or maybe that this is just not an mls type of system that can work because it i mean it does feel like all the other teams are just spreading us out completely and just opening up the the middle passing lane and having their center back just fly right through or in this case for against sporting kansas city was uh busio he was just slicing through us like cheese i mean there was not like a butter knife with a hot butter knife with butter right so again yep it just seemed like we were easily just expanded and and i might be in the camp that hey you know maybe i mean but this is the weird part about it liga and max i mean they didn't figure it out or it didn't feel like they figured it out um so i want to see at least matias almeida adjust a little bit i mean i think there needs to be some sort of adjustments because if the team or if the horses aren't there to run this you know this stallion race <laughs> but basically the triple we need, crown yeah we i mean <laughs> we need a different way to win and if we're not getting you know the secretariats you know of of mls we're gonna need something else right so um i i i might be in that camp too where this man marking system might just not work in mls ivan yeah, we need our uh Alioski and stewart dallas like marcelli bielsa at leeds right and uh, people doubted whether leeds could compete in the premier league with that kind of system too and you know what happened to one of those people they're getting a tattoo of patrick bamford playing the violin in august so uh, yeah hopefully the sounds of the can prove some people wrong later this season i'm sure no one is ridiculous to make a bet on uh, mls like that but uh We'll see. Uh, we just, got a little. Yeah. It seems like, sorry, Ivan, for cutting you off. It seems yeah. like the, the really MLS seasoned coaches, the American seasoned coaches are the ones that are getting to them the most, right? Like the yeah. Peter Vermeeses, the, um, yeah. the Schmetz. He lives in Breeze MLS. He lives in Breeze Sporting Kansas City. He's been a part of most of their history. 
Right. And the, the, the Brian Schmetzers, the Gio Severaces, these guys are seasoned in MLS. And it just seems like it's just not working against these seasoned MLS coaches. And it's just it's just like every time we play Cascadia, they have our number. Every time we play Sporting Kansas City, they have our number. So it just seems like so United, Adrian Heath. Yeah, right, right. These guys that have been in the league for a while now. And it's like, oh, yeah, we've, we have, we, we've seen it, you know, in the last thir- three years. And we're just going to do the same things. We're going to pull our center backs wide and we're going to go touchdown and touchline. And then we're going to cut you up. Okay. Right. Uh, so real quick, I wanted to mention that the uh, 23 player U.S. men's national team roster for the Nations League Final Four in June has been announced and Jackson Ewell is uh, on it for the San Jose Earthquakes. They'll USA will play Honduras in the first round mm. and then the winner will play the winner of Mexico versus Costa Rica and the losers will still play the loser of that game. So either way, you're playing two competitive games in the Nations League Final Four. Um, before that, there will be a friendly uh, against Switzerland in St. Gallen. So a bit of travel, but that mountainous uh, game will uh, prepare for the setting in Mile High in Denver. And even though it's Denver, United States, technically home field advantage, you still have to prepare for uh, playing at altitude. Yeah. Um, the squad as a whole contains four MLS players. The rest are all based in Europe. Uh mm-hmm. I'll just read through them real quick. Goalkeepers, yeah. you got Zach Steffen, Ethan Horvath, and David Ochoa of Real Salt Lake. I'll only specify the MLS players, uh, clubs. Uh, defenders, you got John Brooks, Virginia Dest, Reggie Cannon, DeAndre Yedlin, Martin McKenzie, Matt Miazga, Tim Ream, and Anthony Robinson. Uh, the last two uh, relegated with Fulham, so, you know, congrats. Not really. Um, <laughs> midfielder, uh, it is sad, though, because full America. Um West McKinney uh, leading the midfield along with Tyler Adams, Jackson Hill for the Quakes, Eunice Musa, Kellen Acosta with the Rapids, and Sebastian Letget with LA Galaxy, which every U.S. men's national team fan loves to see on the roster, even though, you know, but he's an MLS player. Um, yeah, but he's versatile and he does what Greg Bralter wants him to do. And it has been working lately, albeit against average to below average teams in friendly matches. So we'll see how it does against Wait. well Honduras is still kind of average at best, but Mexico and Costa Rica, whoever they play in that second game, we'll see what happens. You talking smack about my boy Sebastian Legette? <laughs> San Francisco I mean, native Becky G boyfriend Sebastian Legette? <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry for doubting him. Uh, forward you have Forward slash wingers, you know how Wikipedia likes to list some wingers as forwards, some as midfielders, whatever. Christian Pulisic, Chelsea, Gio Reyna, Dortmund, uh, Josh Sargent, Brennan Aronson, Timothy Weah. And uh, lastly, uh, I believe Jordan Sibachu, I believe you pronounce his last name like you would Pikachu. I could be wrong. But that's what I've heard most often. I, it's looking like a very strong U.S. men's national team squad. You can debate with, you know, the entire 23-man roster if it's the strongest possible squad. But it looks pretty good to me. Let's see what they've got against the best in CONCACAF. Yeah, and I'm excited to actually finally see this team come together. I mean, we've been talking about all these all these Americans winning trophies in Europe and now it's finally go time. I mean, I want to see, I want to see us beat Honduras four zero five zero. I mean, we need to put a stamp on this game with all the all the players that we have now, and uh, Brent, you know, newly American Yunus Musa. I mean, I want to see what he's got. I want to see what it, what the hype's about. So I'm excited to see this uh, USA team finally come to fruition. So uh, this means that Jackson Yule will not be playing the next game for the San Jose Earthquakes. So we finally. We'll probably see that Remedi, Yudsin midfield. I mean, not that many people were, were, were wanted it, but uh, we're definitely going to get to see it. Yeah, I mean, they're the most experienced midfielders left on the roster, even though they play the same kind of way. I mentioned this in a previous podcast. It sucks when you have – it sucked at first when we signed Donny Van de Beek at Manchester United, and it's like, oh, great, like he's going to be uh, – deep line playmaker he's gonna partner with one of fred or mctominay to move pogba up top that didn't really happen and when pogba has also been hurt instead of playing don and van de beek occasionally they would play fred and scott mctominay together and you know 
with all due respect to them, I love them both as Manchester United fans. Even some Manchester United fans, let alone neutral fans, no one's clamoring for Fred and Scott McTominay midfield partnership. But what maybe what we're not looking for could end up being what we need with Judson yeah. and Eric Remedy. Maybe having two defensive midfielders, it's going to address some of those problems. And then it's up to the front four and some runs from the fullbacks when they have the opportunity to, to spark that offense. Yeah, and um, if, this, if this works, if this ends up working, and if we get back on track, I want to see a lineup with Yudsen, Rometty, and Jackson at the 10, and then Chopi's out wide to the right side, Espinosa on the left. I do want to see that, and Cal up top. I eventually want to see that if it if it does work. Before we get into that more, let's talk a little bit about the uh, actual match that happened yeah. over the weekend. The bread uh, and butter of the park. Yep. Uh, at PayPal Park, uh, San Jose Earthquakes had another opportunity to get some points at home. It didn't quite work out. San Jose nope. Earthquakes won. Sporting mm-hmm. Kansas City three. Uh, the lineup, Sporting Kansas City had uh, the goalkeeper, Quakes fans fear right now, Tim Melia in goal. You got Jalen Lindsay, Ilya Sanchez, Cave Rad, and Luis Martins as a back four. Roger Espinoza, Gianluca Buzio, uh, Gadi Kinda in their midfield three with Kyrie Shelton, Alan Polito, and Daniel Saloy as their front three. The changes from their last game, which was a 3-0 win to Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, Jalen Lindsay came in for the injured Graham Zussi in that right back spot and uh rad was on for their more experienced center back andrew fontas and their use subs were johnny russell again limited to a uh, cameo due to his, some injury concerns and remy walter i mean he's french so i don't think it's just <laughs> walter so i could be wrong and so, for Sansa Earthquakes, we got uh, JT Marcinkowski, Tommy mm-hmm. Thompson, Flo Youngworth, Oswaldo Alanis, Paul Marie. Uh, in midfield, you have Jackson Ewell and Eric Remedy. You had uh, Christian Espinoza, Chofis Lopez, and Kate Cowell uh, behind uh, Andy Rios up top with Wondolowski, Shea Salinas, Apicasis, Carlos Fierro, and Benjamin Kikinovich. He made his debut against the Portland Timbers. He got his second appearance off the bench in this game. Uh, changed from the last game, which is, of course, a 2-0 loss to the Timbers. Uh, Thompson for Abacasis and Chofis for Fierro, the latter uh, injury-related. So what do you think of the lineups, Fabi? Yeah, so just looking straight up at the lineups, I might be biased here, but mm-hmm. I think the Quakes have a better lineup on paper than Sporting Kansas City besides Alan Polito. I think the difference between Alan Polito and our striker is huge. But mm-hmm. if you go player by player, oh, actually Tim Melia as well. I think Tim Melia on paper is unfortunately a little more seasoned than JT Marcinkowski. But everybody else. Yeah, that's fair. I think we do have a good shot at being the same or even better than them. Um, I just unfortunately feel like we we had our opportunities to to, you know, win this game and we could have won this game. But unfortunately, the first half was just going completely sporting Kansas City way, uh, Kansas City's way. And besides ref, our goal, um, Alan Kelly, I believe it was, wasn't giving the Quakes any calls. So I, I was rewatching the game and I was noticing that I was like, man, I mean, everybody's hating on Andy Rios. I really have to talk about this. So I'm going to take a look at him. He had a couple of non calls on him and, and they would have been called. I feel like if it was another ref and we may would have been talking about differently, how, how, Oh, how Andy Rios gets, you know, uh, these fouls for us and sets up uh, set piece opportunities. But Alan Kelly was letting them play. The same goes with trophies. Trophies kind of went down a little easy on a couple of them and Alan Kelly didn't blow his whistle. So definitely the ref played a part in the first half. And that's for sure. Yep. Uh, it started off strong goals from uh, trophies in the fourth minute. Uh, it was a good contribution from him. He uh, answered a few question marks there by signing with that goal and assist from Christian Espinoza. Uh, he loves to assist players, even though he's not scoring a lot of goals, we can rely on him to assist. And at that point I was like, okay, Let's see what San Jose Earthquakes can do now because we're used to them getting uh, – once they land the first punch, they get punched right back. Right. That's exactly what happened there. Uh, Jalen Lindsay scored. It was an assist from Alan Polito. And then from there, it went into halftime, and it, San Jose Earthquakes were 
in my opinion, a bit lucky to get into halftime 1-1. The look on uh, Matias Almeida's face says it all. It was, as the kids call it, a real mood. Like, he just looked so exhausted just from watching the game go. He was like, great, we're still 1-1, but he knew it wasn't easy. Yeah, and the only goal that I was okay with, really, um, giving up. I mean, the Golasos, you, you can't really do much about them. But the first the goalkeeper goal, can't. Yeah, yeah, especially JT. I mean, he did his best, but the one with Alan Polito, he couldn't do anything. And then that perfect curler was almost the same type of goal that Palmery had in the first game versus Houston. It was just a beautiful mm-hmm. goal. And the first goal, Cade Cal was caught tracking back on the wrong side. Um, and the man marking system pulled Palmery all the way to the other side of the field. It's almost like if they knew they were going to set this up because the whole game – Alan Polito was either pulling Florian Youngworth all the way to the midpoint line, and then they would find the space in, in behind. Uh, but in this case, they pulled Paul Marie all the way to the left side and then got in behind the right side where Cade Cowell was marking on the opposite side, um, on the right on the right side instead of the left side and causing the left side to be open for a you know, full-on. Even JT got a piece to it, but it was a full-on straightaway to the goal. And this is a goal that a young player will unfortunately give up because he's not seasoned enough to know to stay on the the correct side defending. Maybe he was caught ball watching a bit because the ball was on the complete opposite side. Alan Polito had an ounce of brilliance and passed the ball with his toe to the opposite side of the field. And it was, (laughs) he saw a perfect Lindsay. I mean, flying right down the, the, the right side of the field in behind Cowell. And that's what happens when you have a $10 million player. I mean, Again, Polito with the second goal was just brilliant, right? I mean, this is a player that we could have got, but Je- uh, Fisher said, unfortunately, we don't have $10 million, $10 million to pay. That was the guy. only thing the Quakes could have done to stop that goal from happening, have it happen for you by signing him in the first place. Right, and <laughs> Tommy could have gone a little bit higher up on him. Um, he could have closed the space a bit, but um, if you – I look back at that goal. deflected on him, didn't it? Yeah, it didn't look good on him, but I look back at the goal. Chofi's actually was defending Polito on that, um, and he he kind of got off of him too early before Tommy Thompson can, can recover. So there was a miscommunication there, and that – I mean, miscommunications lead to go all the time. So that's something they have to clean up if we're going to be in the top half of the of the league and make the playoffs this year. If it did deflect on Tommy Thompson, I believe it did, then – I can't ask for much more from Tommy Thompson right. considering he got in the way of the shot. Like you could have asked him to do it a bit sooner, but it's really tough in the spur of the moment. Like you just got to get your body there and, and some hope it works out. Um, let's go through the stats real quick. Cause we talked about the last two goals in that match, Polito and Saloy, uh, sh- the shots quakes led uh, 16 to 15 shots on target though. Sporting Kansas City had five to our seven to our five. Possession, uh, Quakes led in possession 57%. Passing accuracy, both were tied 83%. Both were tied with chances created, one apiece. Corners, uh, San Jose Earthquakes had eight to Sporting Kansas City, two. That's a big disparity. Fouls, both teams had eight, so can't really call either team dirtier than the other <laughs> in terms of how they played. Uh, one each for offsides, so a lot of these stats are uh, pretty close. And then Espinoza and Rios picked up yellow cards. Jalen Lindsay picked up a yellow card for them. Despite eight fouls for each uh, team, not many of them were too cynical. Um, so, yeah, I put in the match notes, uh, good news and bad news. We scored and we scored first. That was the good news. Like, that's something we were asking for because right. we didn't score at all in the last two games. It was about, yeah, 187 minutes before we had a goal. Yeah, so it's like, yay, I'm making a roller coaster motion and for those, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast. And then the rest of the game, psh, downhill from there. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, uh, we fell from, from the clouds, right? So definitely free fall down. Um, if you guys are back home in the Bay Area, uh, we went on drop zone and we went all the way down. <laughs> Shout out to Great America for opening up again. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, let's talk about the misses that the Quakes had. And there's there was a lot, okay. I'm gonna be uh-huh. honest with you. There was more yeah. than just the Andy Rios one. Um, mm-hmm. There was a play that Wando shanked it left to the left as well. Um, something that a player of his caliber he should have put on frame as well. So 
Again, Andy Rios should have put it on frame. He was four yards away, but there was there was a player in front of him. And mm-hmm. the, the near or the near post to him was getting smaller and smaller. So I understand why he maybe wanted to hit it a little late because if he hit it right into the defender, it wouldn't be a gif, right? But it would still wouldn't be a goal. So again, and then as well, Andy Rios had a nice pass to Cade Cow, and Cade Cow hit the post. But that was called back for offsides. Uh, Chofis Lopez gave the ball too late to Andy Rios, and unfortunately, he was caught offsides. But if he was onside, that would have been a close miss as well. Cade Cowell would have hit the post. So, again, every player has close misses, and it just depends on how you recuperate, right? It depends on how you take that in and play the game again. So, definitely, uh, we had some opportunities. They took advantage of their their small opportunities like they didn't really have any clear chances of goal and they still beat us so right they came uh, they were able to uh, go on on the break or in the open field not necessarily they were a counter-attacking team but whenever there was a transition happening like they were purposeful with their ball movement and their off ball movement and right. that's what made those plays happen and with uh, Alan Polito you talked about how he would draw Florian Youngworth or other defenders, and that would free up a space for maybe Daniel Saloy, for example. Yeah. And that's what good players do. It's not just their goals and assists that make contributions to their club. It's how they create space and opportunities for others and make their teammates better. Yeah, and right before that uh, second goal that the Quakes gave up, mm-hmm. the forwards for – so Andy Rios, Cade Cowell, and Espinoza mm-hmm. – they weren't really getting involved in the game. So right out the gate in the second half, you you would see Andy Rios go all the way to our corner to get the ball back, to get it into our midfield so that we can start some sort of play going. And it was working for the next 10 minutes. But then literally a minute after that, Alan Polito had his shocking golazo. And that takes away all your breath. I mean, everything you had going well, just gone. Mm-hmm. So definitely we didn't, we had better chances. We just didn't take advantage of them. Um, and I like, I like the comment you have here on the, on the notes, Ivan, Kiri Shelton and Andy Rios have a competition <laughs> to see who can frustrate their respective fans more. Um, right. You, you can see on their respective Twitter pages. Uh, that's what I do for every, every match. I occasionally look at our team's page and I look at their, other, whoever were playing their team's page mm. and th- they're, arguably less happy with Kyrie Shelton than uh, some Quakes fans are with Andy Rio. So <laughs> the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but then again, you know, they have Alan Polito too. So it right. kind of balances out. <laughs> yeah. I was on Twitter um, kind of defending Andy Rios a bit because at the end of the day, guys, my whole thing is we have to treat every single player the same because they're wearing the black and blue. We can't give prejudice or we can't give hmm other players a pass because what give every done. player a chance i think i don't think we'll ever treat every player the same because mm-hmm. you have different expectations for different players like, that's true that's true but uh, give every player a chance because you know and you know just because a player is on this podcast doesn't mean that they're going to be exempt from critique but we're not going to go the opposite route and completely bash them because even whether regardless of whether they come on regardless of whether they hear it or not like you, just as you wouldn't talk badly behind people's backs, mm-hmm. uh, you would give people a chance. You would tr- treat them with respect. And uh, yeah. I think that's what at least our brand of podcasting is about. Like we enjoy the game and we enjoy analyzing it from this perspective. Yeah. And it, it's an easy scapegoat to attack the highest mm-hmm. paid, you know, second highest played pair on the team, of course. Um, but I was looking at any Rios's production the last two years before the quakes and he had 10 goals, two assists and six yellow cards last year for mm-hmm. us. He had six goals, two assists and six yellow cards or so it's not far off because especially yeah. last year he had to play in that 10 role that Magnus Eriksson left as a void. So mm-hmm. I think he did a solid job last year. It's just this year, unfortunately he got to just, starting job taken away from him by kid Cal, and he just hasn't found the rhythm yet and that's evident watching this game again he just doesn't have that rhythm yet and and unfortunately quakes fans 
are losing their patience with them. And I understand that. But at the end it's of the day, it's high highs and low lows. Like not to yeah. continue with the roller coaster analogy, and I won't make the sound again. But that's just his career with the sounds of earthquakes. Right. He shows moments of class, but at the same time, he is at the center of some moments where it doesn't go the quake's way, and he's an easy one to point his finger at. But I think he's on this team for a reason. Hopefully he gets to show those positive reasons. Yeah. And, and all I want to say is he doesn't, he's not Balotelli guys. He's not doing behind the, <laughs> behind the back shots on goal. Against <laughs> Why the always me? Team. Yeah. So, I mean, I saw some comments out there that I was just like, man, like some people were saying, never let this man wear the shirt again. Like at the end of the day, guys, it's a game. Yes. They do whatever they can to represent us at it you know, the best of their ability, but they're going to make mistakes. If we become a toxic fan base by just bashing on players that are trying their hardest, we're just going to be what Chofis Lopez wanted to leave, right? That's, we're just going to be coming to that. And to hate on a guy for missing a shot, I feel like we're just becoming the Belgium fans that talk badly about Wondolowski. The U.S. men's national team fans. Right. They're just going to pick a scapegoat that's easy to, to, to trash. And unfortunately, I don't want us to be that because we defend Wondolowski so much, right? So it's not truly fair to Andy Rios because we are the fan base that defends bad misses at the end of the day, right? We don't defend bad misses, but we don't allow them to define the player. Right, definitely. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say. But thanks, guys, for all the comments I got. I appreciate the conversations, guys, really. Um, at the end of the day, if we're talking quakes, we're having a great time. So yeah, people talk quakes. Fans talk quakes. We're helping this whole thing grow larger and talk about, you know, we can talk about bigger things. So definitely thank you guys for all your takes on that. I appreciate it. In summation, leave Brittany, I mean, Andy alone. <laughs> I'm going to put that as a, the comment. I, I don't know. <laughs> but we don't have a long list of players that are dying to play at San Jose Earthquakes too. So we can't afford to drive too many of them away either. <laughs> but Again, if you want to be a fan that, that rags him and that's the way you enjoy the game, please go ahead. I'm not yeah, telling freedom you freedom of speech. Yeah. yeah, I'm not telling you to do anything. Please. I just want to. That's just what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's just the way I feel. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So back to the game. Other match notes. Um, we had talked about, you know, only way to stop Polito's goal, sign yeah. him. Like, <laughs> we don't have to beat that dead horse anymore. Uh, a worrying trend with Quakes, being unable to close down their opponents fast enough, considering this is a man-marking system. Yeah. Uh, it's worth reiterating that. Like, this is what it was meant to do, and it's not happening. Right. Um, Eric Remedy perhaps is not the 100% like player-for-player uh, stand-in that we expected he could be for Jidson. Uh, they're mm-hmm. both still defensive midfielders, but even among that position archetype there aren't always the same uh yeah. but i don't think Jetson exactly fixes the quakes problems at mm. least scoring goals i think we scored one goal in three games that's still an issue so he's not going to fix that problem and i think it's not like he stops every goal from generating from midfield either like it could have easily been him in that tommy thompson position for that second goal too so Jitson improves the team when he's there. He's an integral part of the team, but he doesn't solve everything. He's not going to just walk into the lineup and then Quakes are automatically going to win games again. Um, I think it's going to be a team effort uh, that it's going to change that form. And speaking of some of those teammates, how do we assess Marcinkowski's start to the season and Chofi's start as a Quakes player? Because those are two players yeah. that we expected to make big impact in 2021 and we, we've seen some of that uh what we've expected from those players but not everything has gone their way either yeah and trophies lopez had a good game up till the fifth minute this game <laughs> so he had a great goal um at, at the fourth minute but then after that he just did not have a good game he was not connecting with Andy Rios um he was pulling the trigger because I think he was maybe heat checking it like he was thinking he was Steph Curry from beyond the arc um but unfortunately he, I felt like he was losing the ball too easily Jackson Yule even threw up oh yeah hey, yo what the heck like during <laughs> when he lost one of the one of the marks and unfortunately almost had a goal but I didn't think he had a good game. I, I, I would say he had one of the worst games on the team. Um, mm. 
But after that goal, I think he it got a little to his head, possibly. And um, he just wasn't doing the things that he was doing the, the past few cup first games that he was playing really well. Um, but JT Marcinkowski is one where it's, oh, man, like really hot and cold for me because sometimes I just – Maybe I'm just getting flashbacks of Andrew Tarville not being able to use his feet at all. And mm-hmm. um, I I just feel like sometimes he just kicks the ball way too far out and I have to, under, you know, hinder my expectations. Yeah, he's not going to be Emmanuel Neuer, but man, there's some times where I feel like oh, he could have played that ball a little bit better if he was just a little better with his feet. Shot stopping, I think he does a great job. Um, he pulled one out of the, you know, out of the goal like he was a cat like with two hands and the ball didn't go anywhere so i love that shot stopping ability Uh, but i think his distribution could be a little better this year and we never really got to see that last year and i think he's not as good with his feet as we thought and that's that's kind of what i'm assuming so far this season yeah i think that's definitely, if you had to put a weakness in his game, that would be it. Every goalkeeper has it. Well, every player in general. But speaking specifically about goalkeepers, uh, I think that's the next phase of what uh, JT Marcinkowski has to add to his arsenal because he uh, is the pl- the goalkeeper that Quakes fans and Quakes uh, organization, he they want him to be among the best in MLS. And we know yeah. he has that talent when he's in the u.s men's national team conversation even though currently david ochoa is occupying that third spot mm. uh in the roster but he has potential to insert himself in that conversation further and it starts with playing well for the San Jose earthquakes and right. he's not playing as well as he had for a large part of 2020 yep. where he was often a bright spot even when the quakes were losing often so we'll see i think he is a difference maker when he's playing at his best and we'll see if he can get to that soon. And through uh, seventh games, he has yet to hold, hold a clean sheet. So that's right. That's, I mean, yeah, a lot of it's not his fault, but that's pretty telling. Yeah. It's, he's not necessarily, you know, blameless, but the, I think the entire defensive unit goalkeeper and defenders included, they have to play better. Uh, Man of the match, I struggled for a Quakes player. I thought about trophies because he did end that mini Quakes goal drought. But you, like you said, other than the goal, he didn't do much else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once again, I'm going to have to give it to the opposition. Alan Polito, uh, right. both he and Saloy had the goal and assist. But the tiebreaker for me was Polito commands that attention and he used that right. expertless expertly to be a threat both when he did and when he didn't have the ball getting opportunities for his teammates to do some damage as well and he, he was the main difference maker in this game and he's proven to be a worthwhile signing for sporting kansas city yeah and, and my player i gotta give a quick shout out not because he was on the podcast but i think florian youngworth had a hell of a game i think um he stepped in to be the best center back on the pitch and I believe he was. He he stopped a couple of goal or at least game saving passes that were gonna be goals. And then he he also cleared the ball off the off the line again um, when Jason Mar- uh sorry J T Marcinkowski was beat. And I think he had a great game. I know it's a little hard to say that when there's three goals that go in the back of the net to give it to a center back, but I don't feel like it was his fault anymore. I mean, I think he's becoming the center back possibly that he was talking about being. So I think he's coming into um, his own this season. Uh, but Tommy Thompson and Espinoza were connecting very well at the beginning of this game. That's why he's starting over Luciano Abacassis. I thought, unfortunately, Abacassis was poor when, when he came in. His crosses weren't connecting with Wondolowski, and that's the only thing he's in there for. So I think he had a poor game. Um, what I mean, we're going to talk about this a little later, but what outside backs do you want to see out there, Ivan? I think that's probably our position of most depth. So I'm really happy yeah. with the core of uh, fullbacks we have. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, in the post-match press conference, which we uploaded on YouTube, the stats back up what Tommy Thompson said, that he felt that the Quakes were in these games. They're playing well enough to win these games. Right. Stats-wise, like they're even or better than their opponents in a lot of key categories. But... The goals are what matters. They tell a different story. And 
just watching them, if you're not looking at the stats, if you give them the eye test, yeah. the Quakes are not passing it for me. They are not doing enough to uh, inspire fans thinking, okay, we have a good chance to get three points at home against, granted, one of the better teams in the Western Conference, but that's what we expected to be at when we were winning these games and we were making the playoffs last season. We wanted to be a bit more competitive and not just concede goals so easily. I think that's the biggest concern. Like You can have possession, great. You can create opportunities. You can have shots on target, but you're not putting the back in the net when you have the opportunities you're making it really hard on yourself and i think what they're missing i don't think Chopi's lopez is what we need yet i think mm-hmm. what we're missing is that nicholas lodato is that carlos vela is that alan Polito? alejandro pozuelo yeah alejandro pozuelo these guys diego valeri that, yeah diego valeri yeah, these yeah, guys that have there. these guys that have this brilliance every time that I touch the ball and that comes with money. Unfortunately, it, you got to pay for those players. They don't just, you know, they don't come homegrowns, but if they do, they get sold to Europe pretty quickly. Um, but unfortunately you do have to pay a price or a premium for those types of players. And I think if we had that type of player, this team would be astronomically better. I think mm-hmm. we do very well, but we're missing that superstar still. You're right. We have players that can play in that 10 rule as uh, Chofis and Espinoza have shown us. And maybe it's just me thinking from the FIFA mindset or like it's one of their positions, but maybe it's not the role that works best in. And someone's got to be in that role given the formation that Almeida prefers. And it's like you're putting different puzzle pieces and trying to put it together. And maybe it's coming together, you get a clear picture, but it's not at its peak right and again like these players are you know legendary mls players again this is hard to come by especially like a player like giovinco every time he got the ball he was like oh what is he gonna do right so we don't have that player i guess espinoza he's gonna shoot a very hard driven ball low from outside the box i mean maybe it's because we watch it all the time but kid cal's gonna go to the end line and try to get in and behind or he's gonna shoulder to shoulder with that center back i mean I, I think we're just becoming a little too predictable. And I think those players added a lot of unpredictability to those teams. All right. Yeah, I, I think guess- we are a predictable team still. I think you have a very defined style. I think every time Sands Earthquakes plays, whether it's a national broadcast or a local broadcast, everyone knows what to expect from the Sands Earthquakes. Rarely do Sands Earthquakes surprise you. Right. And, other teams have multiple ways of attacking, doing damage, and that is, makes it harder for Quakes to pick up results with regularity. But we'll see. There's another match coming up. But uh, first, uh, we got a few more uh, things to talk about. Yeah. Briefly, uh, for Sporting Kansas City, up next, they have an interesting game. Uh, they're back at home at Children's Mercy Park uh, against Houston Dynamo. Sporting Kansas City are in second, Houston Dynamo are in fourth. So, Two teams that you'd expect one of them to be in the top four of the Western Conference at this stage of the season, but that's going to be a good game. So uh, right. they're going to take three points into that important game for them. And San Jose, of course, are going to have to dig a little deeper to get some points in their next match. We've got a bit of a fancy league update, too. So, Fabi, uh, you and I, we thought similarly in a couple of our picks. Uh, mm. Lucas Larayan and Walker Zimmerman picked up some good points for us each. Uh, we played each other in this weekend, too, right. so that was right. interesting. You got Robert lucky. I, I wasn't able care. to log in. I wasn't able to change my lineup. You got lucky. <laughs> yeah, a rough DNP from uh, a usual starter for New York City, Anton Tinnerholm. Uh, I'm not sure if he was injured or suspended. That must mm. have been the case. But, uh, yeah, that the, them's the breaks, Fabi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I tried to log in, like, at 2 in the morning over here, and it just didn't let me. And I was like, oh, damn it. Ivan's going to get rub it in my face. I know he is. Right. Um, some of my uh, more interesting picks as well that you didn't have. Uh, my uh, Philadelphia Union players came in clutch. Uh, Kai Wagner and Jamiro H- Montero, they w- helped propel me to a narrow 72-61 uh, to 61 win over uh, Favi's tectonic takes. So yeah. my Martinez Manta Rays are one of two 6-0 teams in our tectonic <laughs> takes fancy leagues. But... T- 
Terry's Soccer Gods. She's doing very well. She won 98 to 72. That's scary over the Terry e- for you. E- yeah. Over <laughs> Isla Nubar Raptors. Her MVP being uh, New England Revolution's Carlos Gill yeah. captained him and he got 30 points. I think Carlos Gill, it looks like he's one of those like in fantasy Premier League. He's like most solid right now. Like, yeah, you got to start. I don't him. know what I'm doing. I got to have him on my team now. Yeah. So, and I thought that was Zeller Ryan as well, but I guess it's Carlos Gill. Yeah. That's Carlos Gill right now. Yeah, I have a couple duds in my team as well. I did start Luis Martins, one of the fullbacks for Sporting Kansas City. Because mm. I, just to be honest, I was fearful that there would be another clean sheet for the opposition in this mm. game. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. So I'm very happy that he only had the three points. Um, Christian Roldan, he, he was an excellent form. Granted, he was playing against us, so maybe <laughs> that was a bit uh, biased, but... He only got three points as well, along with Inter Miami's Lewis Morgan. So I definitely have to rethink my midfield, especially when Carlos Gill isn't a part of that. You know, I'm um, thinking about putting a center back or either a, a, a central defensive mid against us every week because <laughs> Busio had all the space in the world. Roldan had all the space in the world. So it definitely seems like uh, – what, what's his name? Oh, I forgot his name. Eric Williams, Williamson, I think is his name, had all the space in the world with Portland. So definitely – Every, every center defensive mid that plays against us, put them on your fantasy lineup, to be honest. <laughs> um, but quick, quick kind of update on the standings. Uh, we have the Seattle Sounders in 17 points in the first place. Sporting Kansas City in 13 points in second place. LA Galaxy at third place with 12 points with one game less. The Houston Dynamo, surprise team, 11 points in fourth place. The Colorado Rapids, that's a pretty surprising one too. Um, 10 points with one game less. The Portland Timbers have turned their season around with nine points with one game less. And the Quakes at nine or nine points in seven, somehow still above the playoff line. I say that somehow, but I also included the reason by putting all the teams around us have game one less. or in yeah. Salt Lake's case, two games less right. than we do. So that could easily change uh, as they make up those games. But And most notably in last place, we have FC Dallas. That's kind of shocking at six points. So, again, our season could be worse, right? So, uh, LAFC, eight points with one game less. They're probably going to hop into the playoff line. Austin FC, we thought they were coming in hot. Six points in 11th place. So It's tricky. There's only – well, you look at Quakes with nine points. Three points above them is third place. Three right. points below them is bottom. So, it's still very compact. Yeah. And the Eastern Conference, we have the Revs in first place, Orlando in second with 12. The – Philadelphia Union with 11. Nashville, they got a solid win um, mm-hmm. with against Austin at four, in fourth with 10 points. Atlanta with nine points in fifth. Um, NYCFC with eight points in sixth place. And Montreal. Inter-Miami and the crew both underneath the playoff line. Ivan, what do you think about the standings going into week seven? Yeah, I think uh, – well, congratulations to Chicago Fire and Cincinnati for getting their first wins. They're not – you know, hopelessly in last place now. They're only four points away from the playoffs as the East has four teams tied in eight points, two of them above and two of them below the playoff line. Yeah, I think now that there's going to be a lengthy break between now and the next MLS game after this weekend with the international yeah. break, and even beyond that, it's going to be a while before – in Philadelphia Union's case, they have their next uh, CONCACAF Champions League match. So that's no longer going to be an excuse for the other participants now that they've been eliminated. They will be expected to pick up their form, the likes of uh, Columbus Crew, for example. If they're still below the playoff line uh, in August, that would be a surprise for me. But I think every team is picking up points against each other right now, it seems. Right. the. The only the closest thing we have to a runaway leader is Seattle Sounders. Uh, they are undefeated, I think, still. Yeah. Where they have 17 points, uh, five wins, two draws. They have a four-point gap over Sporting Kansas City. Everything else in both conferences, it's really closely contested. So you can't take any team for granted in Major League Soccer. You got to work for every point uh, you okay. get. Um, let's go over the schedule for MLS Week 7. Uh, I'll... Uh, the home teams will be listed first. All times are in Pacific. Saturday, May 29th, you got some 10 a.m. matches. New York Red Bulls versus Orlando. You got Chicago Fire versus Montreal. 
uh, 12 p.m., you got Columbus Crew versus Toronto and Cincinnati versus the Revs. 12.30, you got Atlanta versus Nashville. Uh, you got 2 p.m. with LAFC hosting New York City. Ooh, 4 p.m. is the one we've got circled, of course. Yeah. LA Galaxy hosting the Quakes. 5 p.m., Inter Miami versus D.C. United. 5.30, Sporting Kansas City versus Houston Dynamo, as I mentioned earlier. 6 p.m., you got a couple matches, but only one of them MLS matches. You got Colorado Rapids hosting FC Dallas. And then you got Mexico uh, as the home team mm. uh, against Iceland. It's an international friendly held in uh, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. So the international break has started. So any team called up, uh, including Jackson Ewell, of course, uh, for their national teams, they won't be available for this match week. Uh You'll see some of those matches play out as well. 6.30 will be the last scheduled game for Saturday. You got RSL against Minnesota United. Then on Sunday at 10 a.m., so try to wake up early if you're not already waking up early for church. Uh, 10 a.m., you got Switzerland hosting the U.S. men's national team. It's a v- really good test. Probably the strongest team the USA have faced in a while. Mm. Switzerland are a good team. They're expected to be competitive in the Euros this summer, so that's going to be an interesting game. And at 4 p.m., you got Philadelphia Union versus Portland Timbers. Lastly, at 6.30 on Sunday, you have Seattle Sanders hosting Austin FC. Uh, They have been road warriors. They haven't played a home match yet, Austin. Mm. That will change after the international break. They'll be hosting us, but we can't think too far ahead of that (laughs) because we've got LA Galaxy up next before we do that. Let's uh, answer our fan questions, Fabi. Yeah, and um, really quickly, 4 p.m. start in San Jose is an 8 a.m. start for me. So <laughs> it's an early one for me, guys. So uh, Set the alarm, Fabi. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't oversleep this one because this is going to be a good one. This is a must win. I mean, I have I see yeah. here that you asked if it's a must win. It's a must win. We need to win this game. We yeah. are a game. We have a game on hand with all the other teams. So we're going to be probably under the neath the playoff. They have a game in hand on us. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we got to keep uh, above water there by picking up some points Definitely. next chance we get. Uh, the fan question I see there, MLS Mexico on Instagram. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, they asked us how the Mexicans are playing on the team. So we got three, of course. We got uh, Osvaldo Alaniz. And then the other two have fun nicknames, of course. We all know Chofis. And then Carlos Fierro, a.k.a. Huero. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm going to go quickly on this one. Um, Ivan, you can give a little quick re- uh, 1 to yeah. 10 on it as well. All the knees, 7 out of 10. Chofis, 6 out of 10. Huero, 5 out of 10. So I think Alanis has been solid. I mean, he had one mistake this game. But that's really – I mean, he's been injured. But I think he's doing a great job on the center back. Uh, position and being like kind of like an unspoken leader to the Latin guys on this team. Uh, Chofis had signs of brilliance, but then gets lost in the sauce and uh, forgets what his game plan is. Uh, And then Weto kind of disappears, but I think he's had enough solid performances to not think that he's a total bust. Uh, I agree with you, except that I would give a Carlos Fierro a six out of 10. Mm. He had a few good games earlier in the season and I, some pretty brilliant moments as well. Mm. Yeah, that goal line clearance was incredible. I think yeah. that all his entire body of work so far merits at least a 6 out of 10. A 6 out of 10, uh, a rating of 6.0 in soccer is considered average. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. All right, two realistic DP signings. And this <laughs> doesn't mean that we have two open slots. We only have one. But this just means two options. What do you think? Yeah, so that's pretty... Uh, it's pretty interesting. I did kind of scoff at this one at first, but um, you mentioned this earlier, and maybe it's because yeah. you're in Japan. This is more uh, front of mind, but there's a 26-year-old left winger by the name of Takuma Asano. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. He, he would be a pretty interesting signing. Um, does he speak Spanish? He doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> Neither does uh, French Moroccan uh, Yunus Belhanda, but he's 31 years old. He's an attacking midfielder, so. He could play that number 10 role. And as you said, that's our biggest concern right now. And, you know, being uh, in this phase of MLS that we're in, we don't want to sign someone too old, like perhaps a a 34-year-old Roman Aramenko or Ramirez. 
So we do want to make sure that who we're signing is still a quality uh, player. If we wanted to go um, defend defender, which you rarely do with your DP slots, uh, I did think about you know Giorgio Chiellini has been linked with MLS, but at the same time, you know mm. he is very much up there in age. Um, but also an interesting one, former Celtic uh, defender Jozo Simeonovic. I think he would. Uh, It'd be an improvement on what we have at center back with all due respect to the guys we have. And he brings some good experience and some good depth because right now I think we do need at least one more defender to have that uh, depth in defense, I think. Okay. So in my book, this is a little realistic since these guys are free agents, but I still think we need a a striker. I think Mm -hmm. we need a Daniel Sturridge. He's without a club (laughs) and Diego Costa. I think we could bring him in. Um, still, you know, hoping, uh, you know, wishing on a star, right. That we, mm-hmm. we sign a big name. Um, but probably, uh, I see Ezekiel Garay, uh, he's without a club. He's a, def- a center back, something mm-hmm. that we could possibly bring in. He's a little on the older side, maybe 34 years old. Um, but I see, uh, Bohan, the Montreal secondary striker on that free agent list as well. Um, possibly we could bring him in, um, to kind of. I guess Andy Rios is in that spot, but if no one's getting the job done, I still think we need someone in that position. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for me. I still want to see Miguel Layun in the in the Quakes jersey. I think he could still add a lot of class to this team. Yeah, and I think uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with the question we had, which with what player would make us uh, better within our, our budget. Um, yeah, and I don't see uh, names besides uh, MLS Mexico on Instagram on this. Uh, We'll be sh- sure to give you guys credit on social media yeah, after that, we're guys. done recording. <laughs> um, but uh, that, Miguel Ayun is in our budget, I feel. I, I truly feel. I mean, Miguel Ayun would be uh, a great uh, addition to this squad. Uh, yeah. There's never a dull moment when he's on the pitch. Right. <laughs> Which he's can falling. be both a good thing and a bad thing. And <laughs> we know all about that as Quakes fans. Uh, never a dull moment doesn't necessarily mean things are going in our favor. Yeah. But um, we do have one... Uh, Another interesting question here. What's the highest ceiling for guys that are scraping for minutes and thinking about players like Eric Cavillo, Jack Skahan, and uh, Siad Haji? I think we of those three, Eric Cavillo has seen the most action within the last mm. two seasons, followed by Siad Haji, and then lastly, Jack Skahan. So I think in that order, that's what we can expect the most of their development, yeah. simply because they're getting the most opportunities right now in that order, but I'm still confident that at least the former two, Siad uh, Haji and Eric Cavillo, from what we've seen so far, I think that they can become MLS level players, Definitely. if not, you know, higher level contributors than that. Jack Skahan, we do need to see a bit more, but I do think he has potential as well. And yeah, Eric Cavillo is an odd one for me because he, he got some playing time last year, but Jack Skahan saw, saw the field before him this year. So yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, I thought he played pretty well with El Salvador's U23s, and I thought maybe he made a step forward. Uh, but let's see what happens with Jackson Ewell in USA if, if Calvillo uh, you know, reaches the field or if it's Skahan again. I didn't really like what I saw out of Skahan. I thought he was a little nervous on the ball. And uh, something that I thought Eric Cavillo worked on was being less nervous with the ball, and I thought that went away last year with his playing time. Um, mm-hmm. Seattle Haji. I like I like his skill. I think he has a pretty high ceiling. I think maybe uh, I don't know. This is a pretty high ceiling for these guys. But if Eric Cavill can be like a Baca, you know, Rafael Baca, I'd be that'd be great. That's a pretty high ceiling though. And then Seattle Haji, if we can see maybe like a Kevin Molino out of him, I'd be that'd mm-hmm. be good too. And these are solid MLS guys. I mean, Rafael Baca is playing lights out in Liga MX still, but yeah, <laughs> if they can reach that ceiling, then that's a that's a win. But again. Maybe not too realistic, but again, if these guys can be solid players in MLS or rotational pieces, I'll I'll take it. Yeah, just whenever I, uh, you know, I do follow Liga Mackey's being Mexican American, but I do admit I follow, and this comes as no surprise as someone who does an MLS podcast, but I follow MLS a little bit more, so. I do have to remind myself, like, wow, like, Baca was with us all the way back in 2012, and he's still contributing at a high level now. Yeah, Cruz Azul. Yeah. Yeah. Cruz Azul, they are an enigma. Like, you, I, you always think, oh, they're going to choke this game. They're going to choke this game. <laughs> but they wait until the very last minute or, like, the least unlikeliest of scenarios. Like, yeah. last 
uh, Dornell, they had a 4-0 lead and they blew that. So <laughs> can't put anything past them, but when yeah. they're good, they're playing really good. Um, lastly, how do we find good form again? Uh, a little thing called the MLS schedule, and <laughs> you just hope and pray for the best that like it all comes together in the next game. These guys are working hard in training camp, as any professional team does. They, they all the frustrations we have as fans, it's probably magnified, and they it's just fuel to their fire. And some people think they lack motivation. And even though I may look at that sometimes, I disagree because mm. th- there's reason to be motivated against each of these teams. You want to be as successful as the Cascadia duo, Seattle Sounders and right. Portland Timbers. Not as successful as Vancouver Whitecaps, more like those two. <laughs> but um, you want to avenge that loss against Sporting Kansas City for right. the playoffs. It didn't happen this time, but that should be motivation enough to give it a shot, which they did. And there's no more motivation than you need against California classical LA Galaxy. And mm-hmm. their mind has shifted a bit to, uh, you know, LAFC. You know, even though LAFC hasn't been around that long, if we're being honest with ourselves, they've taken our spot as their main rivals right yeah. now. They are playing better than us, LAFC. So if you, we want to command that level of attention again uh, at the height of when those Landon Donovan and David Beckham days for them, uh, yeah. then we have to beat them in Dignity Health Sports part. There's no two ways around it. it that's what you got to do. And it's no easy task. Mm. Uh, Chicharito, of course, he's tearing it up right now. Do you right. think there should be a special plan to contain him at LA Galaxy, against LA Galaxy? And I think uh, Florian Youngberth is going to put another LA Galaxy player in his pocket the whole game. All right, that's what's going to happen. All right, okay. <laughs> Will it be Chicharito or someone else? It's going to be Chicharito, all right? <laughs> Florian Youngberth is going to have Zlatani, Raheem Ramich in one pocket, and Chitarito in his other pocket. That's a big so. pocket if he has him all the way in uh, Milan. <laughs> Jeez, he should, he, should ask, he should ask for both of their jerseys, man. This guy's going to have <laughs> superstar jerseys in his house. So. But I actually have a little bit of how do we find good form again? Um, score first. If we score first, we have a bigger like opportunity time. Yeah, of winning. The problem is um, I feel like if we – Cade Cal is better suited now at the striker. I think he needs to be starting at that nine. Um, I also think if we score first, take advantage of our opportunities and don't let them go into a park the bus situation, which the last three games we did see, and we didn't do anything against those three teams when they were parking the bus. I think we have a good chance of winning. And that's the biggest thing. Don't let them park the bus, right? Don't let them go up on you and park the bus. Yep, I think that's the keys to that game. Uh, I look forward to watching that game. I think it's going to be a turning point in this season one way or another. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Sands Earthquakes to see. This is a game that's circled on the calendar uh, several times in the reddest of ink. Like This is what you got to do and get the job done. Yeah, and I want to give a quick shout-out to all of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much. Um, We appreciate you everything you guys do to help us grow this podcast thank and you the show and this uh social media and these graphics no <laughs> but uh, thank you guys so much for everything um we are truly grateful for everything you guys do and we're also grateful for the beautiful game network um thank you guys so much for sponsoring us this whole way we're coming up on our one year anniversary ivan yeah pretty fast so i'm excited um, hopefully we have something in store and we're coming up on our 50th episode milestone pretty quickly too. Um, but lots in store guys, we're going to have a little break coming up with, uh, MLS action, but we're still going to be coming out with, uh, episodes. So thanks for sticking with us. And Ivan, do you have any last closing thoughts? Um, I just want to thank, uh, uh, everyone who listens to our podcast, who watches our YouTube videos and follows us on social media. Uh, we're trying to be, uh, as consistent with our schedule as MLS's schedule will allow, um, but it hasn't quite happened with uh, Fabi, Will, and myself. So we're, our lives are, you know, yeah, getting a little uh, difficult right now. Uh, not necessarily difficult, but difficult to schedule. I think Definitely. that's the best way to put it. But we're working it out. Uh, thank you for whenever we do upload it. Uh, we're figuring it out, and we're getting it as regularly as possible. We're producing the best content we can for you and we appreciate your continued support. 
Yeah, and sorry guys, I've been a little busy. Uh, baby Leo is growing; he's already three months old. Um, so exactly. that's a little update. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm teaching him the man marking system already, so I'm pretty busy at home. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, all I have to say, guys, is uh, enjoy the Kali Classico and go Quakes. All right, go Quakes. Uh-huh.